If you want to be known as somebody people should trust, somebody that people can rely on, if you want to be somebody people want to follow and emulate, you have to work at that every day. So build the muscle of honesty and keep building it to keep it strong. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I'm excited to welcome back to the show, Ron Carucci. Ron was featured way back in episode 68, so check that one out if you haven't heard it. He is the co-founder and managing partner at Navalant, where he works with CEOs and executives pursuing transformational change for their organizations, leaders, and industries. He has a 30-year track record helping executives tackle challenges of strategy, organization, and leadership in more than 25 countries on four continents. Ron is the author of nine books, including the recent number one bestselling, Rising to Power, and his newest title, To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. He's a popular contributor to the Harvard Business Review and a regular contributor to Forbes, a two-time TEDx speaker, and his work has been featured in Fortune, CEO Magazine, Inc., Business Insider, MSNBC, Business Week, Fast Company, Smart Business, and Thought Leaders. Ron, welcome back to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you on the show. Dr. Richard, great to be with you again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, man, there was so much in your bio. I know a lot's happened since we've had you back on the show in 2018. So you've got this great new book, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Tell us about the impetus for writing this book. Yeah, so I don't think we all have to look back too far to see that in the last five or 10 years, our, our trusted leaders have gone into a freefall. You know, whether it's in the corporate space, the nonprofit space, or certainly the political space. I think we're all starved for somebody who tells us the truth, somebody we can trust. And I, I think we, we're all sick of the Theranos and Wells Fargo and Volkswagen and, you know, pick, pick your headline of the day, just stories of deceit, the stories that make our stomachs cringe. I'm growing increasingly dissatisfied with the explanations for those scandals. You know, it was a couple of bad apples. It was the culture. They're not um, reasonable answers. 5,000 people didn't wake up at Wells Fargo on the same day and all go, hey, here's an idea. And so I wanted to know, could we do better? So um, we went to our data, now uh, that now 3,200 interviews strong over a 15-year period and, and longitudinally studied them using some great AI technology to see if we could predict under what conditions people would tell the truth and behave fairly and serve a greater good and under what conditions they would lie and cheat and serve their own interests first. And if we could predict those conditions, could we proliferate them or prevent them and create environments where people can be them true, their true selves, do their best work, thrive, while being their best selves and, 
and enhance the performance of their organizations. And indeed, we found out that in fact we can. So this sets the stage for some really, really cool data because 3,200 interviews, data mining with AI. First things first, tell us what your research bore out. Excitingly, we revealed uh, statistically four predictors uh, conditions that are hiding in plain sight in most organizations that actually will tell you whether or not people will, which way they'll behave. First was what we call honesty in your identity, being who you say you are. So we all have statements we make about ourselves. We have missions and visions and values and purpose statements. And if the words in those statements match the daily actions of your organization, people in your organization and people who pay your organizations so customers or suppliers um, or other businesses. If their experience of you is in fact consistent with those words, you are now three times more likely to have people tell the truth, behave fairly and serve a greater good. But if those words don't match, if you have a if you have, if they're if they're, they're for public consumption, the screensaver, the wall, but when referred to your employees roll their eyes, like, oh, the value is right. Now you're three times more likely to have people lie and cheat and serve their own interests first because now you've institutionalized duplicity. Now you've said to people, around here we do one thing and say another. Second was um, accountability, that if your accountability systems were grounded in justice and dignity, meaning the way people have their work talked about, the way they feel you treat their contributions as an expression of them as the contributor, if those are aligned, if there's consistency in how people talk about feel their contributions talked about, you're four times more likely to have people tell the truth and behave fairly. But if people, like if you, you, you don't often hear people say, wow, I'm so excited about my performance review. If people feel like the process is demeaning and degrading, uh, where it's categorically pigeonholing them, where they feel like their chances of success are not as good as somebody else's, so it's unfair, now you're four times more likely to have people lie and cheat because I now have to embellish my accomplishments and cover up my mistakes. The third was decision-making. Is there transparency? When I walk into a room, commonly known as a meeting, and if I believe that what's happening in that room, the data that's being presented is honest and well-vetted and balanced and transparent, if I believe my voice is welcome, if I believe I can bring an alternative point of view, if I can challenge what you're saying, then you're three and a half times more likely to have people tell the truth and behave fairly. But if I believe that it's all orchestrated theater, that what we're there to do is just tell you what you want to hear and we're there to sort of collude uh, on data that we all don't believe. If, if the only way for me to get reliable information is from the underground, now you're three and a half times more likely to have people lie and cheat. And lastly, probably the, the surprising factor was border wars. So if at the classic seams of your organization, sales and marketing, supply chain operations, R&D and marketing, if at those seams, there's a, a great relationship of collaboration. If the tensions of those, the natural tensions of those relationships can be held well, if there are not competing KPIs that are causing us to be rivals, if there's a way for conflicts to be resolved and there's healthy collaboration, you're six times more likely to have people tell the truth and behave fairly. But if there are border wars that are unresolved, if there's intractable conflict, if everybody is a we to somebody's they, and all we do is point fingers, and blame, now you have fragmented the truth. And when you fragment the organization and fragment the truth, now you're six times more likely to have people lie and cheat. 
So, and the statistics are cumulative. So if you're good at all four of these things, you're about 16 times more likely to have people tell you the truth, behave fairly and respectfully toward each other and serve for greater good. But if you suck at all four of them, now you're more likely to about 16 times more likely to put yourself in one of those newspaper headlines you never wanted to be in. I should caveat, Dr. Richard, that we define honesty as truth, justice, and purpose for a reason. So the data bore out that it's no longer enough to, be, to not be a liar, to be labeled as honest. Truth, justice, and purpose means you have to say the right thing, do the right thing, and say and do the right thing for the right reason. That's the standard to which we're being held to account because our experience of honesty has gone into such a free fall that naturally our expectations of it have just gone much higher. So it's no longer sufficient just to be a good, a good person. There's a lot to unpack there, obviously. Uh, there is something I wanted to clarify before I, I ask some of these questions I've written down. Honesty in your identity and decision-making, so one and three, sounded like there was a lot of overlap and similarities between them. Could you talk about kind of the nuances and differences between those two? Because it felt like, you know, honesty and identity, you know, the company's mission versus, you know, what what's really happening. And three kind of sounded like, you know, as the leadership in a company is making decisions, is that also kind of holding to the integrity of what they say is written on the wall, the mission? So how are those two things different? Well, so first of all, the nuance, but you, I mean, to do one, you have to do all four of these, right? So they're highly, they're highly interrelated because that's how the statistics correlate themselves, right? When you do the math, that's how they work. The fundamental difference is one is about how you show up, right? So if I say we as a company value diversity and I have a team of all white people, if as a company we say we value teamwork, but, but I only reward individuals. If I, if I personally, as a human being, say I value compassion, but when you back in in my car on the parking lot, my first question is, how was the damage? Not, was anybody hurt? Right? And so it's, it's about belying what you promise. So whether it's my personal values that I claim to, you know, I had one client who I had to deliver some pretty painful feedback to that his team didn't trust him. And he was incensed because he said, I, I've never done anything unscrupulous. I include them. I don't withhold information from them. What could possibly be untrustworthy about me? I said, well, turns out that when you get impatient in meetings, it sounds like you're pretty sarcastic about it. And when you get really impatient, you cut people off. They're going on too long. People cause people to conclude that you're not a safe person to bring their voice to. He said, well, everybody has a bad day. I said, yeah, this sounds like it's more than a bad day. Because you tout all the time how much you value teamwork. You're saying awful one, one for all, all the time. So your own words belie, are belied by your actions. That's honesty and identity. Decision-making is when you're all sitting around the quarterly business review and everybody's up there touting their past quarter's performance and what happened and giving you their forecast for the next quarter's performance and everybody in the room is thinking, what a load of crap. But nobody is saying anything. Everybody's just nodding. Somebody might say, wow, Joe, interesting forecast. That's about as close as you'll get to any kind of remit. But nobody is going to challenge what's being said. Everybody knows it's not true. That's the issue of transparency, right? So one is an issue of aligning words and actions. One is the issue of, of honesty and transparency, both in what I say and what I hear. Hey, guys. Dr. Richard here. 
For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. In your research, were you actually able to determine of these 3,200 organizations you interfaced with, which percentage of them were actually living all four and which percentage of them were nowhere near? Like, what, what did the data show? So it was 3,200 different leaders. It was a total of 214 or 200, 200 something different organizations. So okay. the, I would say there were none of them in that in that batch of data were living all four of them well we i did in subsequent research go back and find many that were living many of them well so microsoft best buy um uh, patagonia uh, cabot creamery um a, a number of companies in, in the b corp world right so there are those who are you know nobody would say they're perfect at all four of them right but many were were attempted it's very hard to do one well and, and suck at three right so you, they are, they're, they're that interdependent. The great news, one of the, my concerns was, was this statistically all or nothing? You either had to be perfect at all of them or you were screwed. The, the good thing we found is that we, as we played with, it, with the statistical models, you can graduate, right? So you can improve transparency in your meetings by 25% and you'll get like a 12% increase in honest behavior. So you can move the needles on all four of these. The challenge, Dr. Richard, is that these behaviors are, are, are insidiously hiding in plain sight in most companies. Most people just assume well, that's just part of being part of a big corporation. You know, everybody knows you roll your eyes when people say the value. This is because they're not really meant to be anything other than a marketing campaign, or nobody tells the truth in meetings, or performance reviews are supposed to suck, or I'm supposed to hate the department that I'm supposed to collaborate with. They're annoying. And we just assume that these things are just normal fare of working in a big company. Turns out they're, they're the insertion of risk. That, and scandal avoidance isn't the reason to, not, to work on this, right? To avoid a disaster. What was really heartening in the research to find was that on any metric you as an organization or a leader would care about, whether it's CAGR or uh, cost of goods sold or profitability or product margins, market share, customer loyalty, brand loyalty, employee engagement, um, employee satisfaction, Pick a metric you care about, and on everyone, uh, earnings per share was a big one. Purpose-driven companies truly living out these behaviors outperformed their competitive peers by wide margins on any one of those metrics, which means that the people in those organizations are deeply committed, sold out to the mission, living their own purpose through the purpose of the organization, and wouldn't think of going anywhere else. So that's the reason to do it, right? to actually make sure that what you're unleashing into the world in your organizations actually is the best of what your company offers, the best of what your people can bring, and the level of performance that those you serve expect. Uh, so that's what was really exciting is that there's a strong correlation between top performance and honesty. 
I love that. And, and it it is intuitive that if you were raising one of these areas that you'd see some kind of a halo effect that would impact the others as well. So that's that's great news. I'm curious, to what degree have these numbers been impacted, in your opinion, by the pandemic and what's happened with that globally, not only in terms of just the the overall impact that it's had on all of us, but certainly, you know, business has changed a lot from centralized office locations to the vast majority of workforces now being at home. So what have you found? The research was completed before that, but I think that the pandemic didn't ca cause some of the strife we see in companies, right? I think what the pandemic re it revealed it. So if you're a company that thrived through the pandemic, and that many did, right? People are enjoying adapted to remote work quickly, companies were supportive, you got resources that you needed, productivity went way up, you found new markets, you found new customers, you pivoted well. Your capacity for doing that didn't appear because of the pandemic, it was always there. If, however, you struggled, you slowed down, you, your people did not respond well to remote work and they're certainly not responding well to going back now, if your impulses would exert more control, if you used a lot of surveillance to make sure people were online working, if your people did not thrive and they trusted you less as a leader, that again, the pandemic didn't cause that, the pandemic just revealed it. So knowing that and knowing your research in general, let's walk through some of the steps that an organization can take to start improving these areas. Because I know some of them can probably be done pretty quickly. You know, when leaders say, oh my gosh, I don't control my organization in, in, in those big systemic ways, what, where can I start? And I'm like, there's a, there's, it's very simple. Start with taking the mission or values or purpose statements, take, take whatever promises your company has made off the wall, put them on the table in your next meeting and ask your team, how can we do better? Where are we, where are we living these really well? Where are we shining? Where, where am I as a leader not modeling this? Where, is, where do I unintentionally contradict what these behaviors say. How could I be better? When you're in a meeting, you know, ask yourself, uh, are people speaking up? Are you hearing all the bad news? If you don't have somebody coming into your office a couple of times a week saying something that makes you uncomfortable, your leadership sucks because there is bad news and they're gonna tell somebody. Every night, somebody that you lead is telling a story about you at dinner. Do you know what story they're telling? And if you don't, find out why. When people come to you for feedback uh, in your quarterly check-ins, in your performance reviews, do they leave those conversations feeling proud, confident? Are they thriving? Do they take your feedback on their development needs well? Were you aligned in how you saw their performance? Are they feeling positive about how you see their contribution? Or do they dread, dread it? Do they hate having a number put on them? Do they feel like you've just stuck them into a box and that you don't really know who they are? They, do they wonder about whether or not you appreciate their contributions or the sacrifices they make to make those contributions? If, if you are uncertain and you're just going through the ropes of filling out the forums and having the monthly check-ins and it's all superficial, know that you're sending people out of your presence feeling pretty hollow. And lastly, who should they? What department do you have to collaborate with in order to deliver some of the value you expected of your team? Do you refer to as them? Oh, here they come again. What colleagues across your organization in another tribe or another um, unit do you refer to with disdain and contempt? Do you distrust? Go meet with them and ask them, 
look, we know this is not working well. What, what can we do to be a better colleague to you? Um, here's what you could do for us that would make it better. Stitch the seam. Turn your theys into your we's. They're, they're really practical things. I made sure that nobody who read the book could use the excuse of I don't know what to do. Because every chapter I have truckloaded with a gazillion ways to start the process so that, you know, a year from now, you will unequivocally be seen as a more honest, authentic, trustworthy leader, and so will your organization. So as I'm hearing this, and all of these things make intuitive sense to me, but I, I'm wondering, in an organization that's been around for a while, and there's an established culture where the leader is not trusted by the employees, and there is often associated with that, a fear of speaking up. So if that's the culture and that whether you intentionally created that or not, what additional things, I guess a better way of saying that, what do you need to do first? Because I suspect if some if you go show up in a meeting after years of people distrusting you and say, hey, how can I be better? Lay it on me. People are going to be very fearful for their jobs. You know, so so how do you address that? Well, so first of all, let's just start with 101. If you are that leader, I don't think many leaders wake up in the morning thinking, how can I really intimidate the crap out of people and make them fearful? I think most leaders would say, I'm open to feedback. I want to hear what people have to say. Of course, I want, push, I want, I want pushback on my ideas. Um, they just have no idea how to go about creating that. And so the first thing to do is find out for people. And if you have to do this anonymously, start anonymously. Do people perceive you to be a safe place for dangerous truths? Do people perceive you to be someone they can share their honest thinking with, share creative ideas with, challenge your thinking with? And the one litmus test you have to ask yourself is how often does it actually happen? Whether it's in your meetings or one-on-one, -on -one, are people taking the time to bring to you things that make you uncomfortable? Because if they're not, that's all the data you need. So start slow. The first thing to do is simply acknowledge, say, you know what, I've been thinking, I've been reading, I've been going to therapy, you know, what, however you had your epiphany to say, I realize that I am not creating the environment that gets, gets the most from you or from me that we need. So first thing I wanna do is apologize and say, I, if I've intimidated you, if I've made you think I don't value your voice, if I've shut you down in any way, or if I've dismissed your inputs, or if I've gotten defensive when you've said things, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not at all what I want. I wanna be better. Um, I want you to freely bring me your radical thinking, your pushback, your challenges, your creative ideas, and I want to be a place where we can explore this. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with everything you say at all, but I want to be able to hear it. So here's how I'm going to start. And maybe you start with just a, a, an anonymous set of index cards. Everybody writes something down on or you know, whatever, and, and you, you, you surface what, what's on people's minds in a way that, that they don't have to reveal themselves, but at least it gets it on the table to talk about and make sure you are ready to regulate your defenses, to make sure you don't get triggered, that you don't cut people off, that you ask questions of curiosity. It's not about, we, many, many leaders want credit for their good intentions, right? What you're gonna learn has nothing to do with what you intend. In fact, the issue is that if your actions are actually that far outside your intentions, you should wanna know that. Because you, you, you don't, if you don't know when you're triggered to behave in ways that belie what you say, then you may not even understand when it's happening. And so you, you, know, you start slow, but at least signal to those you lead 
that you care enough to want to start the process of change. Awesome. Very well said. Ron, this uh, has this time has flown by as expected. And as you recall from our last chat, I wrap up all my episodes by asking my guests a single question, and that is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Remember that honesty is not a character trait. Honesty is a muscle. Um, and if you want to be good at it, you have to work at it. It's no different than going to the gym and bench pressing 500. You don't start with that. You bench press 50 first. If you want to be known as somebody people should trust, somebody that people can rely on, if you want to be somebody people want to follow and emulate, you have to work at that every day. So build the muscle of honesty and keep building it to keep it strong. I said, tell us where people can find you online and get their hands on your new book. Yeah, please come visit us. Uh, first place is our, our website, Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T.com, where we, you'll find um, a bunch of free eBooks you can download and some great blogs, a bunch of really fun videos. You can also find our How Honest Is My Team assessment. So if you want to know if you're getting the full scoop, you can download that and rate your team to see how, how honest they are. If you want to learn more about the book, um, tobehonest.net. Um, you can find out about where the book is, is, you can find out about the research. I've done a webinar series and you can see our TV series. So if you want to meet, uh, to be honest, it's a book of heroes. It's a book of people we'd all be proud to work for and emulate. And I, I videoed all the interviews that I did with some amazing people like Hubert Jolie from Best Buy and Vincent Stanley from Patagonia and Rob Balot, the real attorney from the movie Dark Waters and Tiffany Jana and uh, um, Ed, you know, 15 of them. Amazing people. You can binge watch the whole series. Awesome. In a weekend. with a, And I've got some uh, co-hosts with them. They're amazing guests as well. So don't miss that. Fantastic. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. So if you're in the car, we get you covered. Well, Ron, thank you for coming on the show. This was fascinating. Good luck with the book. And uh, looking forward to having you back on again someday. Dr. Richard, appreciate your help. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And thanks to each and every one of you as well. If you liked what you heard today between me and Ron, go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps others find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 